0: Thanks for joining me. All right. So welcome back to the Lifestyle Chase. I have brought a first time podcast episode guest to the show. Her name is Amanda Marr. How are you doing today?
1: I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first podcast. I've never done this before. And I um, you know, when you asked me to do this podcast, I was like, you know what? I don't know about this new I'm going into surgery soon maybe I'll just wait and procrastinate but you know life is all about taking chances and risks and getting outside of your comfort zone so even though I'm nervous I'm really glad that I said yes
0: that's good that is good I mean uh, one preface is honestly most people that know me well would describe me being more scared of other people than other people are of me. So you're on the right show. Like this is a very uh, easygoing, going, um, very conversational show to be on. Uh, part of the reason why I was motivated to get you on the show was we were chatting on Instagram about how you are starting your uh, your new journey in life. Um, you're kind of taking some time for yourself. Uh, you're going into more of a, a self employed direction. You're focusing more on like a sort of a representation of balance between work and life, which is super, super important. Um, but first and foremost, some people don't know who you are yet. So, how would you introduce yourself? Let's say you're doing a big presentation and you need people to understand like what you're passionate about and what drives you in a matter of like two minutes or less.
1: All right, well, like Chris said, my name's Amanda. I am a fitness trainer. Um, I've been in the industry working as an in-person trainer at a large box gym for about six years now. Um, I've been working with mostly general population, um, but over the years, I have really tailored a lot of my um, clients to folks who wanna build strength, drop some body fat, work on their confidence, both inside the gym and outside of the gym. Um and they're individuals that are extremely motivated in life, but also have a very, you know, they have a life outside of the gym, whether it be family and work, but also, you know, any activities outside of the gym. I'm always advocating for cross-training and different activities. Um, so a lot of my folks they they do yoga, they run, uh, they do a lot of hiking, they might do some mixed martial arts, they might do um Swimming is a really big one that I have, too. Um, so just cross-training in different things besides just strength training in the gym. Um, and, you know, I worked my in-person gig for about six years. Uh, learned a lot. Um, but like Chris said, um, I was ready for a change, and I found myself in a position where I... I needed to regain who I was as a person, and that was really important to me because I I preach that to my clients that you have to make some personal time for yourself, and I wasn't making any personal time for myself. Um, six years went by in a blink of an eye. I don't regret any of it. I worked with some amazing people that, you know, I became really really close with. Um, but I just didn't get that personal satisfaction for me. Um, Definitely gonna work satisfaction, which like I said, I I enjoy and I really miss it. Um, But it was time for me to think about what my future was gonna look like. And I also have a really big passion for travel and photography. So working in a remote coaching business, which is what I'm doing now, allows me to have the opportunity to be out on the road anywhere. Um, So my business is mostly focused on remote coaching. You do the program on your own or the clients do the program on their own. And there's weekly check-ins, monthly calls. I have an exercise library um, and you get full access to me whenever you need it. So, yeah, it's a it's a big change, but I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, I think the cool things that you outline are just the fact that we need to kind of like lead by example, both in like the fitness aspect, but also in the lifestyle aspect. And that's been a big like uh, turning point for a lot of people during this whole COVID thing, like where people were kind of tested, like we were up against the wall. It was right. like, what are you going to do in this situation? Um, so if we dive into that topic, like 2020 comes around, things are unfolding, everything's changing, the industry gets uh, its ass kicked. Uh, how did your day-to-day change? Like how did you manage with everything these past couple of years?
1: Um. I think in the beginning of March of 2020, it was really, really hard to make that transition. Um, I was lucky um, working at the place that I did to have a really good support team um, and also a great team of clients. So we jumped on board with um, with virtual training right away. And a lot of my folks stayed really consistent because it was that one thing that they had in their life that could stay consistent. So. We were able to get them equipment, um, able to, you know, take their gym program into the home or into a park wherever they were going, um, set up a camera, get the workout in and um, just have that consistency because life was a mess. And it was so imperative for us to have, you know, something that kept us going every single day, something that was for ourselves. Um, and then when we reopened the gym in in July, I think it was, um, my folks were so ready to come back. <laughs> they, they were like, F COVID, we're going back to the gym. So um, I was really, really fortunate to have such a very supportive team and a dedicated team as well. Um, and they were just hyped to get back into the gym. And I think... Um, I think that we were all, you know, we were all in it together,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, it was also really cool to see how my programming changed as well. Because things that I used to do before COVID and after COVID also changed a little bit too. So I was able to develop myself further as a coach, do a lot more research, and you know, tailor my programming a little bit differently too. So I, it was a stressful time, but I think in terms of You know the gym in my career um it was it was actually very beneficial i know it sounds a little weird but it was it was beneficial to have kind of that that turning point for me
0: well i mean it doesn't sound too weird because i've literally been telling people like how beneficial like challenges in life can be like um in a lot of cases the the more obstacles that you face whether it be in your like training history or in your career trajectory the more obstacles you face the more skills you end up having and then yeah. those skills yeah. become like value adds or they become like assets to your like personality or just like the the things that you bring into your life going forward Um, We're going to pivot the conversation here to go into the handy dandy time machine. So if we go back like 12 years, where does that put you in life? What are you up to?
1: So 12 years ago, I got to do math, which is always hard for me. (laughs) Um, I always joke with my clients that I can't count because I can't. I go from two to six in a matter of like that. So, um, So 12 years ago, I must have been... I think I was a recent grad from college. Yeah, about 12 years ago. Um, And I guess it was kind of like the, a little bit of a turning point for my fitness journey myself. So I'll back up a little bit um, during my adolescence. So I did not grow up being a very active individual. Um, I did a lot of horseback riding, so I was, you know, outside and in the barn with all the horses, but I was also a band geek, you know? So I I didn't really have this awareness of what fitness was. I was last picked in gym class. I got yelled at every gym class because I couldn't, you know, throw, kick, or catch any ball. Um, And so I had a very negative view of fitness and sports and athleticism, and also a very negative view of coaches and trainers, because they really were very, um, intimidating. So this whole, you know, athletic world to me, was very foreign. And, um, you know, one day that I was in college, um, I said to myself, you know, enough, I don't, I don't like how I look. I don't like how I feel. Let me just go to a gym. So what I did is I, I went to a small fitness center that was located in the living community of my huge school. I went to UMass my first year. So there's like 30,000 people there. And so I go to this little fitness center because it was safe. You know, it was away from, you know, the big strong lifters, the you know, heavy equipment because I didn't know what I was doing. But I went consistently doing the same routine every single day. And I kept that up for a number of years, even when I transferred to another school in D.C. And after I graduated, um, my father actually gave me a year membership to a gym that was up the street. And this is where my life completely turned around. Um, I started to feel more comfortable in the gym. I started to meet more people. I started to, you know learn more about strength training, I had some of the trainers and, you know, friends that were there show me different weightlifting techniques, and I really was able to form a community of people that were, that were safe to me. I'm a very introverted individual, and it was really hard for me to step outside my comfort zone, um, but what I loved about having this community was it was all people that were trying to make themselves healthier and better. And that was something that I was very embarrassed to do when I was younger. I was embarrassed to go to the gym. I was embarrassed to try to make my body look a different way, feel a different way, and, and work on myself, which looking back is, is really kind of a shame. And I'm sure that there's other people out there who kind of feel the same way. Um, so after strength training for a little bit, you know, I, I got a really good groove in and um, I found a community of people and became a, a gym rat. but i mean starting i mean i never i never thought in a million years that i would ever become a trainer i mean i used to be scared of trainers because i thought that they would laugh at me or make fun of me um and i just you know i didn't want to have that so yeah to become a coach and a trainer to help other individuals who may feel the same way or to help get people get a lot stronger is amazing. And I love it.
0: So you're talking about how you were at school and you're part of this gym community. But what were you taking in school? Like, what was your life's path? Where did you foresee yourself uh, heading? Because you didn't necessarily have the expectation that you're going to go into the fitness industry. So where were you going?
1: So after I graduated school, um, I was a communications major. So I, I ended up um, creating my own major, I couldn't really decide what it was I wanted to do with my life. So my, I think it was, I guess my guidance counselor or, you know, your go to person at school, Um, he told me create your own major. And so what I did is I took classes from photography, public relations, marketing, film, um, and journalism. And it allowed me to have exposure to all things that I enjoy doing. Um, And then I actually went into the event planning industry for a number of years. And I worked at a small nonprofit association planning board of director meetings and conferences uh, with my team. And I, for a long time, I thought that that was going to be my path. My father is actually in the hospitality industry. And so I grew up with, you know, having exposure to hotels, planning events, helping with community events. And so I thought it was gonna be a very natural progression. Um, but when I was trying to find a different career or a different, a different job, because the job that I had, it wasn't going to go anywhere. There was nowhere for me to grow as an individual. And so I started looking for different, different positions out there and nothing really stuck at all. And I remember I went on my final interview, um, which was an event planning position with National Geographic. And I was just, oh, I was so excited. And knowing that I love events, I love photography, I look up to those photographers, I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Like, I'm going to nail this interview. Didn't get the position. um, But there was nothing that I would have changed about the interview. And you know, after after that week of hearing back that I did not get the position, I just kind of wiped my hands and said, you know what, let me just go for my personal training certification. What's the worst that can happen? I love training for myself. I do like helping people a lot, but where, where can this go? So as I was studying for my personal training certification, I realized immediately, I think in the first three chapters of the NASM book, that this was it. Like, this is is what I want to do. Like, this is speaking to me right now. And I studied my ass off for about two or three months and got my certification and immediately started getting job offers. And I'm like, oh, this is what a job offer is supposed to feel like. Um, So I had my pick of different gyms that... I could go work at, but I decided to pick one in particular um, because I really admired the professionalism and the team that was there. And um, so that's how my, my career progressed a little bit, went from event planning and transitioned into the fitness space.
0: Well, I mean, that sounds solid. Like just to be able to get those little snapshots, I think are very important to understanding like what makes different coaches and trainers and just human beings in general who they are. And one thing that I like to kind of showcase is you talked about how, kind of like making your own like uh, major in school. And some of those subjects are extremely transferable to, well, remote coaching specifically just because there's a lot of communication skills that you would have developed and gotten yeah. like uh, very legitimate training on and uh, it's a big differentiating factor like i know for myself i took uh, general studies in university and took a lot of like human resources and public relations classes that totally attributed to my abilities as a coach and just to be able yeah. to communicate people with people through online platforms and even like navigate, uh, current events. Like I took a media relations course to give me like a view on like, uh, right-wing media and left-wing media and all that stuff. And that proved to be very helpful in being oh, yeah. able to like, uh, set boundaries and, uh, be able to kind of, uh, take a step back when necessary. And as a human being, obviously I'm going to get like, uh, sort of overtaken or, or swept away by certain things. But, uh, just another lens to the whole equation because we're dealing with people who have all kinds of things in their life like they the people we work with do not like worship the gym like they're at the gym because they realized that they needed that to be added to their life but they didn't quite have the autonomy to do it by themselves yet. And so they're seeking out our consultation to add to that skill set of theirs. Otherwise they'd just be doing it by themselves just like you or I have often done in our past life. Um, what was sort of like the, the thing that that motivated you most to go and take that certification? Like sometimes like something happens in life or something just like it's a spark in our, in our brain. Um, what was it for you?
1: It was frustration. Um, but it was also passion as well. So you had mentioned, you know, some of the topics that you had back in college and that they were things that you liked. Well, everything that I did in college, I also really liked. And I'm somebody who wears their heart on their sleeve. When I don't like something, the world knows it. And so I was very fortunate that I could take subjects in school that i was very passionate about and have a hobby or develop a hobby that i was very passionate about and when i decided to go for the certification i had hit you know i had hit rock bottom when it came to job interviews and i had been on so many interviews countless rounds with all different sorts of You know, hotels, event planning industries, even government contractors, um, nothing really seemed to fit. But I knew that the fitness space, nutrition, and a person's well-being was something that I was very passionate about. And I'm very fortunate that I've been able to, you know, make my passion a career. Um, And I feel very lucky in that regard because I... I love what I do, I truly do, and um I think you know to briefly answer your question, frustration in the beginning, but then it was also, I think, passion, you know, at the very the very heart of everything,
0: mm-hmm when you first kind of got started and like i guess i'll kind of share a bit of my stories because it usually helps like the the guests to sort of like unpack theirs when they hear the host unpack theirs so it's interesting for me to hear about like the the job offers that came up when you started your career because like ironically mine was very much the opposite and i'm not like saying that like to be like to toss shade it's just that Every trainer has a different entry to the industry, and so we learn different lessons accordingly. Um, throughout that, one of the things that was sort of like, it drove me crazy. When I first started at my first gym um, for the beginning like month or so, I was it was basically like a trial paid internship. So essentially I got hired to the gym on a trial basis that if I could prove myself, um, then they would hire me on as a trainer. Meanwhile, there was other trainers that just got hired in right away because they had prior experience or they had demonstrated more confidence. So I always felt like the dumbest person in the facility. And it was just like, it it drove me nuts. Like it really, it was something that really motivated me uh going into my career and that's what kind of like gave me the desire to network and to really take people seriously when they took time to teach me things like i have so many people to give credit to that have helped me along the way both locally and far away Um, but i've always kind of felt that like pressure that uh i can't be like the dumbest person in the room like i can be surrounded by smart highly capable people But I always have to remember that nobody owes me anything. I have to earn every opportunity that I get and I have a lot of room to improve. Um, And so like that was one of the things like even even when I go back to episode one of my podcast that started up, um, I was eight months into that first gym. They closed down and then it was either be self-employed or go to a bunch of gyms and get shut down again. So I chose to be self-employed because I didn't I couldn't emotionally handle being rejected from more box gyms I was like, I can't do it anymore. Like I I got rejected from one box gym three times Um, like all kinds of places like places like orange theory, etc, etc It was character building. I will say that And at the time I was already working in a gym as a spin instructor (laughs) but (laughs) But nonetheless basically what i've To Orange Theory, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I think everybody that uh, listens to this will be able to look at my my career zoomed out and understand that... uh, My storytelling of my career doesn't come from a place where I like condemn anybody. It's just I was a beginner and I had to take my lumps and I had to learn and I had to get more experience and I had to do all these things because I started very, very green. Um, And so everything that happened to me, it wasn't like I didn't deserve to have to learn and grow and stumble and go on that struggle bus. It was that uh, my path needed to come with a bit of uh, setback and resilience, and I needed to prove how bad I wanted to be in this industry right. um, but with that being said, you start your career you're freshly certified. what was that like for you like what were you what was in your headspace what were you thinking about uh, how did that unfold for you
1: well so I You know, I, I was in a fortunate position where I had, you know, a gym, I think, you know, took a chance on me. I was a brand new trainer. I had never worked in the training space before. Um, I did start personal training with a lot of weightlifting knowledge. And so during my twenties, I spent all of my downtime reading about fitness and anatomy, Uh, coaches, studies, and, you know, really trying to surround myself with as much knowledge as I possibly can, as I I possibly could. And that was mostly due to help extend and enhance my own fitness ability Um, and to also get over a back injury that I had a long time ago. And so I entered into the personal training space with a lot of good knowledge. I was very comfortable on the weight floor. Um, I could demonstrate, you know, during my interviews, you know, different exercises. Um, and I think that they also saw that I could be very communicative with people as well. And so, you know, I, I start, I start my gig and I'm surrounded by all of these amazing, amazing trainers and coaches. Like, and I was very, I was nervous because I'm like, mm-hmm. I gotta do what he's doing. Oh shit, she's doing that. What is that? I don't even know how to use that. Like, there's all these things going on, and there's all these people that I've never seen before, and I can't remember their names. And there's all these, you know, techniques and things that I'm seeing for the first time. And I'm like, oh shit, what am I gonna do? I have to be these people. And, you know, as soon as I had a person in front of me, and I started doing complimentary sessions, and I started Um, picking clients up. I'll always remember my first client. Um, And I started getting more comfortable just working one-on-one with that person and just doing things that I knew how to do. And always trying to remember that my clients purchased personal training, but what they really purchased was me and my, my coaching my personality, they, they wanted me, you know? Um, and so it was important that I just continued developing that relationship with them, doing whatever I could to help their fitness, uh, their fitness journey. Um, and also to always stay open-minded and to continue learning. And I think that that as, as coaches is super imperative that we always have that willingness to learn. And, you know over the years i really have grown my confidence in weight training but in in my in my training with clients and my programming and the relationship that i can build with everybody but it was it was a little it was uncomfortable in the beginning but because i was super passionate about it it felt right at the same time
0: mm-hmm well, you kind of, you outlined something that's super important and also very scalable to this remote training journey that you're on. Is just like really being able to bring it home to why people work with their trainer. They're choosing a person. They, right. it's less about, um, which, uh, which exercise selection that they choose like nobody's choosing their yeah. trainer because that specific trainer programs hip thrusts and hip cars like That's not the hill that they choose to die on. It's more so, we we talked about how kind of intimidated you felt in the gym space. So Mm -hmm. a client is choosing a trainer because they make fitness less daunting, less intimidating. They are an approachable human being. They are good at communicating. They answer their text messages. They're respectful in their communications. They have uh, like etiquette as to when they message people. All these different things matter way more than what uh some trainers might think and i mean the the scalable part here is that uh, one of the most valuable things that i've seen people do is treat every last cl- client like it's their only client yeah. like as though like uh this client is going to be the difference between you eating that week and not eating that week. And that client is what your whole life revolves around. That might seem a little obsessive to some, but for a passionate coach like you or I, um, it kind of makes sense. It's like, yep, that that sounds about right. By operating in that space with each person on an individual level, all of a sudden, like that, that level of service and commitment to people goes way up and then all of a sudden like you're going to be the person that they talk about when they go to a dinner party like and that that is all it is like it's no magic trick it is simply creating that strong connection and like really being able to relay to that other human being that uh you are committed to their journey and they they are uh navigating it it's like we aren't the hero of the story; it's it's the client, it's their moves, their journey, their hurdles, their accomplishments, and their name on the trophy at the end of the day.
1: Oh, I, I I totally agree, and you raise a really a unique point: is um, treating every session like it was your last. You know, every session that I did um, as an in-person coach and as a virtual session, because I do a few of those too. Is I treat every session like it's an interview, you know, and the person that I have in front of me, that is the most important thing to my life. So whether I'm doing their program or working with them in a session, they are taking, they are taking all of my, all of my energy, all of my passion. They, they are the star of my life at that particular moment in time. And You have to be on, you know, and I learned very early, too, that when you are a trainer on a strength floor, there are eyes always on you. And so you are basically putting on, you know, in one in one way, it's kind of like a show, you know, for, you know, the people on the cardio equipment or other you know, people at the gym, admiring what you're doing from afar, if they're in in between a set or something like that. So you're always on, you're always visible. Um, And, you know, having that person in front of me, you know, it really, I always got so energetic, you know, and they, all my clients, they kept me going, you know, when I was having a bad day or I was in a rough mindset, just seeing them and working with them one-on-one and, you know, watching the enthusiasm that they have about, you know, completing a PR or completing a set or doing something that they never thought that they could do. That brought me so much joy and it brought me so much adrenaline to my life. Um, So yeah, no, uh, the client, the client trainer relationship is, is very important to me. It's very special.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I find that when it comes to my, my Instagram connections, it's uh, that tends to be the brand of trainer that I connect with. Um, there's lots of trainers that follow me for like 30 seconds and they're like, I don't like this guy. And then they're out. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not really like the, the trainer's trainer. I'm the client's trainer. Like I'm not uh, showing people biomechanics. I'm, I'm showing people the donuts that I had around uh, Edmonton. Right. Yeah. But... Uh, something that I wanted to kind of circle around to and I'll kind of share my own story again in my I had a previous episode with Jake Boley so if people are wanting to like piece stories together in that episode I kind of talked about how I went for an interview at a warehouse and this was in like the past like year so this is just to kind of illustrate like the ups and downs of a trainers career and just like how we can all have bad days and we can have paths go totally different directions and just to to add weight to this story like we, we kind of talked about the anticipation of this podcast and the nerves and all that nervousness like. I was like one decision away from this podcast, not even being a thing by now, like to put things into perspective. I think I I've recorded and accumulated like 360 episodes. I think 200 and like 20 of them are maybe 222 of them are online. The rest are archived, but like I've really put in the reps and it could have just been gone because of a certain, like uh, an overwhelming feeling of defeat Um, an overwhelming feeling of like I can't do this anymore or like this isn't good for my health and I had that sort of like uh, that turning point where I realized that I was more passionate about making it work than I was about making it not work and it's not to say that like my training income was down to zero it was still keeping me floating but it was just like the the emotions that I was going through were having me close to that point where I was just ready to like caller quits and to add some context to this um like the pandemic it was like a rocky road for just about everybody i know like some people they were able to learn and grow and all these different things so they have more pros to take away from it than cons but more likely than not um they went through their rocky road earlier in their life like maybe they overcame a drug addiction or maybe they overcame like a separation or all these different things But, like, even in the earlier part of the pandemic, like, I I always give credit to to Kyle Dobbs. Like, he he was a pivotal person for me. That's why I promote his mentorship so heavily, because he's been a solid mentor and role model for me, who's kind of come through and kind of shown me, like why I want to do this, how I can do this realistically, the importance of boundaries, the importance of family, um, the importance of networking and kind of like collaborating with your friends and lifting other people up. He's one of the most well-known people that has promoted my show. He promoted a past episode and it's like, those are the things that you don't forget. Um, So it's like people like that have supported me to stay in the game. And yet, despite all of that, I still had this moment where despite all the things that were going well for me, despite like having referrals sent my way and still having in-person clients and I would have had to cancel things and shut things down to effectively do this warehouse job. Despite all of that, um, I, I still like it was something that I had to really think about. It was something that I had to ruminate about and be like, okay, why am I doing this? And is it worth it to keep pushing forward? And then it came down to like an environmental aspect. So by environment, I mean, just like scenery, um, sort of like workflow, uh, what you see when you wake up in the morning, what's out the window. And for a moment in time, I was like, uh, I was possessed. I was going to move to Banff. I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to move to Banff. (laughs) And the funny thing is I I was actually like, I'm really diving down some rabbit holes here, but it'll hopefully add some context and make it easier for you to storytell on your end too. But I was on a call for a job interview where I would actually be in Banff. And I could also do that at the same time as doing my pre-existing remote work, which would probably cover a lot of bills but it wasn't quite gonna be enough because the guy would have to rent out my condo, I'd have to do all these things. Um, a lot of logistical challenges, mountain towns are really expensive. And so I was on the call and for the particular role that I was interviewing for, they also had opportunities in Edmonton. So I was like, well, can you guys pay this wage? Cause I crunched all the numbers. I kind of knew what I needed to make. And they're like, unfortunately we can't. And I was like, okay. What about an opportunity in Edmonton? And so when I took the opportunity in Edmonton, um, that little pivot was the, the stepping stone that I needed to layer on some momentum, get that sense of like community. It was I took a role with Lou Lemon for about uh, five or six months and then I ended the contract early because I was ready to uh, continue with my own projects. But it's just, it's funny how life does these things and you can be at that moment where you're just, you're ready to just quit. Um, Like when we're like, have you ever had any bad days? Like our bad days are like, they, you can still remember them, they're clear as day. Like you can spell out exactly what happened and how close things were to just coming to a full halt. Like I would have literally had to tell like some clients that I couldn't train them because I wouldn't be available anymore. And that would have be, been because of the emotions that this industry tosses at us. And it's just, it's crazy. So I've shared my story. Um, what, what has it been that's led up to you um, choosing this, this remote self-employed boss lady journey that you're on?
1: So I would say that right before the pandemic, um, I was, let's see, 2019. So 2019 was a very, very, very busy year for me. Um, I was racking in a lot of sessions per month. And by the end of the year, I was just burnt out. I was only, I think, at that point, maybe three years into my career And I was burnt out. And I would say that's very common for trainers to have that burnt out point in time at around three years. So at the end of 2019, I was really burnt out. I was very tired. I had no social life. Um, And my entire life was sessions and my clients and, you know, making money and, you know, trying to afford a really expensive apartment in Washington, D.C. So... I started to make some really positive changes, started to have a little bit more of a social life, started getting out a little bit more, but then 2020 hit. Um, So I would say that 2020 was just a matter of getting, you know, surviving each day, getting through each day one at a time and being there for my clients. Um, But then when things started to pick back up in 2021, I found myself in a very similar position as I did in 2019 and I was on this continuous hamster wheel where I would work all day um, morning sessions, afternoon sessions, evening sessions, random times during the day, you, you know, up at four or five o'clock in the morning, get home eight or nine or something like that. So. It was day in and day out of a lot of sessions and just being on this continuous hamster wheel with no time for me. And I found myself with a lot of added anxiety and a lot of just depression. And I remember that there were countless evenings that I would come home, completely crash on my floor and just cry. And... That's not a way to live at all. And I was so it was almost like, you know, when you have a a baby or a toddler that is so tired that they just cry. That was me. Like I was so tired and exhausted that I just cried. And I didn't know what to do with all of this inner frustration, anxiety inside of me. And I remember there would be random points during the day or even the morning. I, I would just break down bawling at like 5.55 in the morning right before a 6 a.m. session, you know, and then try and just, you know, hide it all inside, clean myself up and then put on a really happy face for my client who deserved to have that the energy from me. And so it became this vicious cycle that I found myself in. And when I started working with Kyle um, with my own strength training, I didn't have, I started working with Kyle back, Kyle Dobbs, I should say, back in March of 2021. And I took him on as a coach for my own strength. And um, he had his mentorship coming up, you know, mentorship for business owners, people in the fitness space, And so I just decided to sign up. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Um, But the more that we went through the mentorship, um, the more I thought, okay, this this might be a good path for me um, in the future. And I didn't know when I was going to switch over to becoming a remote coach. Um, But I knew that at some point in my life i had to make a change for myself because doing what i was doing living the life that i was as much as i love you know in person training i didn't have a life for me and you know going home and just breaking down like that's that's not how you're supposed to live life and so collectively you know throughout the years i've had times when this career has been really hard and, you know, smooth sailing, but that I think that's with every sort of industry where you have these ebbs and flows. Um, but it just got to the point where, you know, those down periods for myself were, were too down and I needed to make some more, some more change.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's a lot to unpack and there's a lot of directions that we can take things. Uh, I I like to highlight Kyle Dobbs' experience with a lot of the people who have been on this podcast because it kind of comes down to sort of like this vision. And like you just, you start to learn that in order to have the the balance that, like whatever balance looks like for us, because it's not really definable and it's different for each person. Some people have a greater work capacity for some things and other people have like just very important boundaries that need to be maintained. Like, uh, I'll use myself as an example. For myself, ever since I started in the fitness industry, um, as a trainer specifically, because I was a spin instructor and I was working for Yeg Fitness Magazine for a bit part-time while I was still in my old career. So I was kind of like doing some fitnessy things on the side, but when it was just like back up against the wall, either sink or swim, have a mortgage to pay, have car payments to pay, all these expenses, and if I fail, I am screwed. When it came down to that point, that's when I started this sort of like uh, tradition where every single day I'd call my parents and that can seem super lame to some people, but it became a non-negotiable for me because they're like my, my backbone. And then as time went on, I established like a, a group chat with my brothers. And I try to just make sure that in every week, I'm at least communicating with them. Like it's neat when we're able to chat back and forth each day, but sometimes like life takes control. And then another thing that I did was for birthdays in my family, I decided I want to do activity days. So I have two nieces and when it's like their birthday, I spend like the day with them. And so that means like, I'm not booking a training session that day. I'm not booking work that day. That is my niece's day. Um, And it doesn't matter, like it doesn't matter where I am at financially, Whatever we have to do to have a fun day, we do it. Sometimes I innovate, sometimes we're doing like some long ass walks, and sometimes we're going to like a cool museum or a cool park or going out and having a big serving of like uh, Vietnamese food. And those are the things that I decided were important to me, and then everything about my work had to fit around that. And that's sort of my biggest takeaway from the mentorship. And then that's why I promote it because I see people being happier as trainers with that uh, frame of mind and that uh, path going forward than trying to do it like the opposite way around. So what have been some things that you're, you're taking some time for you, you're filling your cup. What are the things that you're establishing now that your business is going to be built around to maintain you being happy? Oh boy.
1: Oh, I think that, you know, this is, this is all really new to me. And I think that the primary goal right now is to take care of my current clients that i have right now and to also build better relationships with my online community and you know continuing to put content out there and have more dedication to putting more content out onto instagram um, that showcases what I believe in. You know, I only recently started posting more on social media, I don't know, maybe in the last four to five months. But before that, it was very frantic. Um, But that was because I didn't have any time to really dedicate to it. Um, but then last year, I started putting more content out there so that I could get more comfortable Putting my my face on social media, letting people know who I was, um, and just continuing to build that that brand, my brand, and who I who I am, and putting content out there to help other individuals. Um, and so, I think between those two, right now, that's my that's my current goal. Um, my third goal is to recover from some shoulder surgery that I'm having tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm going to be a little out of commission for a few weeks now. So, um, just taking care of the folks that I that I that I currently have on my team and putting out content when I can for the next few weeks is going to be my priority. Mm-hmm. But also making relationships with other people in the fitness space and doing a podcast.
0: Totally. <laughs> Well, I mean, one thing that I've learned about content uh, when it comes to like just return on investment, essentially, like time is time, whether it's time spent in your career or time spent in your life. And sometimes we need to assess the amount of time that's spent making content. And like people can look back at my Instagram thing and be like, man, he spent a lot of time on the content. Like, that's why I can speak to this because I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way where I've devoted tons and tons of time to like putting out endless podcast episodes and to putting out like tons of different, like long winded posts with long ass captions and just like completely just spilling my heart out into the universe. And then I've realized like, you need to look at it from a return on investment standpoint Uh, and sometimes to reallocate that time that you have like this this abundance of time that you'll have at your disposal sometimes to do a deep dive into a book or Mm -hmm. to learn about something non-fitness or to take up like a creative modality Mm -hmm. um all of a sudden you take that back into your coaching back into your content creation and it gets refined i think anybody that listens to this show will regularly and I don't know who they are. So if somebody's actually listening to this episode, please for the love of goodness reach out and let me know cuz I have no idea who my audience <laughs> is. But um anybody that's listening will have noticed that I kind of like did a bit of a gap between like January slash February and now where I barely put out any episodes. Like I put out some sporadic ones every week or every second week kind of thing. But it wasn't anywhere near the frequency that I've had in past months. Like there's been some weeks where I've interviewed seven people in a week and published them all just like a madman. But I've realized that as I try and push more in a direction that is just not ready for me to push, um, I don't get anything out of it is that time is time is time is time yeah yeah. and as people looking to grow our brand and grow in our space and be balanced out and happy and fulfilled that is a tough truth that we need to sit with we need to realize that like instagram does not matter like i personally make a very good income from instagram content creation and so i can say instagram matters but i can also say instagram doesn't matter you take the time to make that content, you put it up and you walk away. And that goes for our branding ourselves here too, because if you dedicate all this time to things that are not bringing you joy directly, you're never going to get that time back. And so as you're looking to build your brand, I would look at like taking a step back and really leaning into what is it that your life looks like when you are truly happy because if you do not build it that way, it's not gonna happen. Because I've done it the backwards way before. And it's like trying to do the same thing over and over with the same outcome and wondering why nothing changed. It's because I didn't change anything in my delivery. So that is something that I've learned the hard way. So in hearing you kind of like tell the, the journey of like what, what your ideal life looks like, I'm like, I'm, I'm challenging you to step it up a notch. So I'll I'll kind of give you a cue here. Um, When you're thinking about, uh, like you you bought your cool truck, um, you're equipping yourself for success. Uh, I think I I had seen when I was like preparing the material for this episode, you're someone who has traveled a lot in the past. Um, What's on your bucket list for for travel? And it can be like a, a plane ride, it can be a road trip, whatever it may be. Like where is your life gonna take you in the next couple of years?
1: Oh, yeah. So, yes, I love traveling. It's a huge, huge passion of mine. Um, I don't know if I'll do any international travel this year. Um, But being that I, you know, I have my new forerunner, I'm able to do a lot more off-road and camping in my vehicle now than I ever was able to. Um, So my plan is to actually go cross-country. Um, and I'm hoping maybe in the fall, winter timeframe, hit up Northern Arizona, Southern Utah, um, and then depending on how you know the months and weather goes, I'd love to hit up Canada.
0: So come on up, to all Canada! The, <laughs> all the
1: socks in Canada. But there's so many places around the United States that I want to visit. So, you know, I've done some, you know, some international travel. Um, but being that I really want to work more on landscape photography, I mean, America has some beautiful landscapes. It's gorgeous. I mean, our backyard is awesome. Not maybe in the city, but (laughs) when you go outside of the city, it's, it's gorgeous. And I want to see more of that. And I want to be able to connect with more people and get outside of my bubble. You know, I've been living in a basement for six years. I've been surrounded by the same people every single day for six years. They're great people. (laughs) But when you see the same people for six years in a basement and have no sunlight, then you want to get outside of your bubble. So, I mean, even this past week, because I recently ended my position at my large box gym, even this week, like, I I have so much more energy because I'm actually seeing daylight. I'm talking to more people. I'm willing to have more small talk conversations with, you know, people at the grocery store, at my range, or you know, just anywhere, um, and not feeling like I'm so rushed with everything. You know, scarfing down every meal, rushing to this appointment you know, hauling ass on the beltway. It, it, it It's nice to kind of slow down just a little tiny bit. Um, and just take a few breaths every once in a while, because I haven't I haven't done that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm kind of a certified workaholic. <laughs> you know,
0: I think many people in the fitness industry are. And um, every time, like oftentimes I get feedback that I get a little bit preachy. And so people are going to be able to pick that out in this episode, because I just i've almost taken more of the microphone than i needed to but having put that out on the table so now it's out of the way now you can't call me out on it because i already said it about myself nonetheless um something that's worked very well for me and and that i've learned from a lot of people that i look up to is not only like uh, setting like those sort of like quarterly goals where it's like finite it's pen to paper um maybe even scheduled in the calendar with deadlines But also like looking at like the end goal, like if you look at like 12 months from now and you've made this list of the places that you want to go and the photography that you want to do and then reverse engineering it. So being able to dedicate like how many hours a week to those tasks and then being able to delegate accordingly, accordingly to your environment. So by that, I mean you go for this surgery. There's some things you can't do, but there's some things that you can do um an example that's top of mind for me right now is i'm connected with a lot of videographers in uh, canada and a lot of the time they're able to do like uh, content exchanges so they stay at an accommodation they do photography or videography at that location and their accommodation is covered and that also goes for all kinds of different brands and stuff and so like as fitness professionals with other skills, with a diversified skill set, we are not stuck in a box. Like there's no reason why we cannot plan for success. So when you have this downtime, um this is the preachiness in me coming out and just saying like start looking at the opportunities that you have to plan out that roadmap for your future. Like if you know where you want to be going 6 months from now, look at the places, look at the social media, connect with them, build relationships, um show them what you can do with photography and see what opportunities that you can drum up because when you're able to, this has been my strong suit. I've been able to monetize my skills outside of being a trainer and coach. It's helped me survive, it's helped me thrive, it's helped me have that work-life balance. Um, It's put me in a very strong position now where I'm able to do about half in person, half remote portion of it out of the fitness industry, portion of it in the fitness industry, and there's direct crossover. But when you're able to monetize more of the things that you naturally do and enjoy doing, you get the time back because we run out of time and you get that time back that you're able to enjoy yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's, there is such a thing as working too much, even if you're doing something that you love. And so it's it, you have to create some boundaries for yourself and, and make sure that you have that personal time whether it be with your friends your family um and you know your personal hobbies um so that's what this year is about is for me is um you know rediscovering who i am as a person um while also fulfilling my passion as a coach to help other individuals Um, But also it's, you know, working on things that I'm also passionate about in my in my hobby life, like Mm -hmm. photography and traveling. And I think a big component of why I like traveling so much is also the type of people that you meet, you know, because I do a lot of solo travel. And when you do solo travel, you're more willing to talk to individuals um, because you want to connect with people. So the first thing I do when I go to a new space or a new area is I connect with locals. Um, I think a really good example was when I went out to Southern Utah in February, last February, a year ago. Um, I, I didn't really know the area. I didn't really do a whole lot of research about where I was going, what I wanted to do. And so I found this photographer on Instagram. I'm like, okay. He seems like he's a local here. He's done a lot of world travel. He looks like a photographer. Like, he doesn't look like he's going to kill me. Like, let's reach out to this person. (laughs) Oh, I reached out and said, hey, I'm hitting up Southern Utah. Give me your tips. What do you got here? And we communicated with each other all week. And at the end of the week, we actually went camping with each other. We did some great hiking, had an awesome you know, camp night. Um, And it was just really cool to connect with another individual who's also active and also likes similar hobbies that you have, too. Um, And I think that's the other component that I love so much about this industry is that we all have a passion for wellness and fitness. And we get it. We don't have to explain to each other, like, oh, why are you eating broccoli? Like, you know. (laughs) Why are you going to the gym? Like, huh? Like, we just, we get it. And so when you're surrounded by people who are, who have similar values as you, who are like-minded, but have different viewpoints, different focuses, different opinions about things or different ways of doing stuff, that creates a really cool community, no matter what you're doing.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So the time has flown by today. I have one final question for you. And this is a question I've asked all (laughs) kinds of different guests. The question is, um, if you were to give the audience a challenge for the day, what would that challenge be? And like, think about like something that you think could in a span of 24 hours, really make their life better. Like maybe not like change the game, but just like make them maybe in a better mood than they are. Hmm.
1: Drink water. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: I think that <sighs> one, of, one of the things that I always have my clients do is write down their goals. And you actually had kind of touched upon this when you are talking about my travels, is writing down your goals and writing down things that you would like to achieve. I'm not really a big fan of vision boards um, and like slapping pictures of other people that you don't know onto a board. Um, But really just taking the time to sit down and physically write a few things that you would like to do. And it doesn't have to pertain to, you know, strength training or fitness or your nutrition but just write down some things that you would like to achieve in the next year or a couple of years. Um, and then work backwards and kind of develop what type of, um, plan for yourself.
0: Solid. Well, thank you for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thank Thank you. Yes. It was, it was fun. My first one. How'd I do?